future. It's the return of the... Oh, wait, no, wait, you're kidding. He didn't just say what I think he did, did he? And Dr. Dre said... Nothing, you idiots. Dr. Dre's dead. He's locked in my basement. Uh, uh, feminist women love Eminem. Chicka, 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 slim shady. I'm sick of him. Look at him walking around, grabbing his you-know-what, flipping his you-know-who. Yeah, but he's so cute. All right, TJ, before we get started with this week's uh, DFS MVP, you got to tell us about the music because most of us know the real Slim Shady. What year was this? How big of a hit was it? This had to be number one, right? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if it was number one, but this was like peak Eminem 2000, uh, his second album, the Marshall Mathers LP, uh, the real Slim Shady. Yeah, it, it was up there, man. So I, I had to throw a little bit of Eminem in the mix on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist that you can find by going on Spotify and searching DFS MVP. We were a little light on the Eminem and uh, he's been he's been recording new music. So he's in the ether right now. I figured it'd be a, a good time to, to throw him in there. Oh, he's back now? Yeah, he's as uh, he's 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 arguing with young rappers and making. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good for him. You know, it's the way to go. I just need to start arguing with people that are in their teens, and then <laughs> I can get back on track. That's basically what Twitter is. <laughs> All right, here's what's coming up. We got the week eight GPP and cash plays. We're gonna talk about fading the must plays. You know, guys like Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is. I mean, the salary basically for Todd Gurley right now on both sites, on both big sites, is going to make it so you're going to have to almost punt at least one position. So we'll talk about fading must plays. want to remind you, our DFS MVP promo code for 25% off is still in effect. So if you love the content that you're hearing and you haven't signed up on 444.com, I highly recommend it. You get 25% off the DFS MVP promo code. Also, the rate and review t-shirt giveaway. You leave us a five-star review. You can automatically be entered to win. What we got going on this week? Who's the winner? Uh, we got a nice review from the user named Renegade with an eight instead of an A. Renegade, D-E. Uh, so that he left a real nice review for us. Uh, I really appreciate it. Hit me up on Twitter at TG Hernandez Renegade, and I'll give you the details on how to claim that shirt. And if you guys want your chance at the most comfortable shirt in fantasy football, uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review yourself. And while you guys are there doing that in the iTunes store, uh, we're, we're getting really close to fantasy football playoffs already. It's pretty crazy to say, but week eight. Oh. Uh, yeah, and we, we got to start. We got to keep working that waiver wire to make the playoffs. And uh, the best way to do that is with our app. Uh, it's an iPhone or iPad app that helps you set the highest scoring lineup every week and pick up the highest scoring free agents for this week and for the rest of the season. More importantly, the playoffs coming up. Uh, it's free to download. All you have to do is search 4 for 4 or League Sync in the App Store. If you are an existing pro or DFS sub at 4 for 4, you'll already have full access to all of the features. If you're not, you get a seven day free trial. You can upgrade to any plan to the website, uh, full access desktop, laptop, mobile, straight from the app. All right, that's good stuff right there. I can't believe it. I, I keep saying it to myself. We're halfway through the regular season crazy, uh, for fantasy football. But the best part about DFS, week 17 actually matters. We get the playoffs here, so there's a lot of DFS to go. But let's get into the week eight here. Only 10 games on the main slate. You got that London game. You got five mm-hmm. games with an over-under of at least 50. You got another at 49 and a half. You got seven teams projected for at least 26 points. So... The first time all year, you said here, TJ, the average implied total is 24 points. 
Yeah, so based on on what Vegas is telling us, this is expected to be the highest scoring uh, week of the season, which is crazy because we've had some insane weeks. But if we take all the teams average implied point totals, it's been under 24 every single week. This week, it's sitting at 24. Uh, as you said, all of those games with the, with the big over-unders, a lot of teams with, with big expected totals. So that's not surprising. But that's a good thing because with the Chiefs back on, on the main slate with all these other games that are uh, expected to be high scoring, it, it gives you a lot of options. If that weren't the case, we were we were getting to a point before they pushed KC to a few primetime games in a row where it felt like you, you had to play the Chiefs. And they're still going to be the highest owned team of the week. Uh, but with all these high scoring games, you have a lot of options to pivot, which is good. It makes it more fun. I, I wonder how much the implied totals are going up just because Vegas is getting hammered on the overs. Mm-hmm. Because people are just out there. It, normally, I like betting unders. I think, you know, you're yeah. going against the public. You see games. I'm just sitting there going over, over, over every single week, it seems like. And it's paying off. So I do wonder how much Vegas is just trying to tweak it a little bit so that they start winning a little bit more money on that end. Yeah, I mean, and, and scoring averages, I, I try to keep track of it uh, compared to, to history and just keep track of trends. If we look at overall actual scoring averages, not the, just the Vegas projections, um, scoring is legitimately up. I think it's it's right around a, um, a point and a half per game, a little under two, which might not sound like a lot. But if you, you're, you're considering every single game uh, through half of the year, comparing it to the last three or four years, that's that's a pretty big jump. That, that's really uh, sh- the needle's really shifting, uh, at least right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, my, my suspicion is that there's going to come a time where uh even in this season where we're going to be able to ham- hammer those unders and probably take advantage of some of these teams slipping up a little bit because football is a finite game right it's not like baseball where you can score infinite points or infinite runs there's a time limit uh so this there, there is some constraints on the scoring hey i love this i absolutely love the fact that the offense is going higher i mean you talk about baseball i like a 2-1 game there because it's faster give me a these like 40 to 35 games have just been sensational, especially on the primetime slate. So uh, let's get to the quarterback. We'll start with Mahomes and the Chiefs. 7,000 DraftKings, 9,200 on FanDuel against Denver. You know, if you're going to fit Gurley into your lineups this week, and <laughs> how are you going to do it with Gurley and Mahomes? This is a very, very heavy uh, price tag for a quarterback on both sites. Yeah, it's 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 funny because if I, I wouldn't say that FanDuel has has tightened up pricing overall, um, but we'll get to this later at the running back position and especially in the theory section when we talk about uh, these players with this crazy ownership and salaries. But it, it seems, at least on my first couple of builds, that it's it's easier to fit Gurley onto. DraftKings lineups that it is uh, on FanDuel lineups. Now, as a whole, I think DraftKings still has tighter salaries, but we we're we have we see a pretty big gap in in uh, salaries if we're just looking at Gurley. That's because FanDuel pushed him up to 11K this week. But uh, sticking with quarterback for now, uh, I, I think there is a way at least on DraftKings to get to Mahomes, even if you do roster Gurley. But I. He's he's obvious. He's the chalk. Seven thousand on DraftKings, ninety two hundred on FanDuel, which is really high uh, versus the Broncos. But if if you are going to pay a little bit more for quarterback, there's no reason to get cute here. You can just kind of get all of those Kansas City points in one shot. 
Uh, and and Mahomes, I, I don't think we need to explain how great he's been, but to put it into perspective a little bit, uh, he's he's one of eight quarterbacks that has accounted for at least 75% of his team yards, as well as at least 80% of his team's total touchdowns, looking at just offensive touchdowns. And he's doing it on the best offense in the league. So he, he has this insane floor, at least 20 DraftKings points per game so far this year, the only one to do that. A lot of that has to do with, with the scoring system at DraftKings. Uh, we we have to look for these opportunities to at least get these bonus points that DraftKings offers us. And I would say uh, it's it's not something that's easy to predict over the course of an entire season. Looking at all the players, it's going to look pretty high variance. But as is the case right now, Mahomes has six 300-yard passing games. No other quarterback has more than four. And if you're looking for something to uh, knock Mahomes about, at least this week, I think the most obvious thing would say, well, Denver has an amazing pass rush, but he's already faced this Denver defense. He's already faced Pittsburgh defense, which has a very good pass rush themselves. And he's faced Jacksonville defense, who's just a good defense overall. And he's thrown for 300 yards against all of those teams. So he's a top two value on both of our sites. Again, just we have to mention Mahomes, even though he's the chalk play, because uh, he, he's the best play right now. And he's got the floor, too. I mean, he uses mm-hmm. his legs. It's as simple as right. that. He just does everything. So um, the floor is there. The ceiling is there. And Mahomes is, is ready to go in just about any any way, shape, or form cash GPP there is. Let's move on to a game that has a pretty nice uh, game total. And a game that, I mean, I'm looking at. I don't know what the rest of the, the public is looking at here. I think this is just going to be shootout city with Cincinnati hosting Tampa Bay. Andy Dalton against Tampa Bay, 6,200 on DraftKings, 7,800 on Fandle. You know, Dalton has not really put up monster uh, point totals here over recent weeks, but gosh, Tampa Bay is just a horrific defense. The Bengals have given up, I think they've given up over 450 yards of offense in three of the last four games. These two teams, it just sets up as a scoring bonanza. Yeah, and and there's actually... Uh, a handful of quarterbacks in this price range. Uh, Andy Dalton is $6,200 on DraftKings, $7,800 on FanDuel. Uh, so what I'm looking for is an opportunity for increased efficiency, a team that already has decent passing volume. And Bengals check both of those boxes. You mentioned Tampa Bay's defense uh, has struggled against the pass. They've struggled against everybody. We only have two teams on 4-for-4, four four, two defenses that we rank 20th or worse in schedule adjusted fantasy points to every single skill position and Tampa Bay's one of those defense <laughs> one of those defenses and that includes a dead last ranking against uh quarterbacks and again that goes back to the efficiency they they've allowed the most fantasy points per attempt so even if we adjust for quarterbacks even if we adjust for the skill of the quarterbacks they've played against the efficiency is just through the roof and that's really what we're looking for I talked about having that 300 yard upside with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this defense has allowed the most 300 yard games to opposing passers. Cincinnati's implied point total is the highest it's been all season. And they are one of those teams that throw a lot. They throw at the second highest rate in neutral game script. So even when they don't have a good matchup, or even if game script doesn't call for it, when they're behind they're a team, that's going to throw quite a bit. And like you said, this game is one that just sets up for a shootout because both defenses are pretty similar in, in those respects. Yeah. And if you really want to get contrarian, I mean, Tampa Bay, nobody turns the ball over like Tampa Bay. Um, maybe the Cincinnati defense would be in play here, but again, this is, 
this is going to be, at least on paper, and this is what I'm looking at, just a complete shootout and a, a scoring bonanza. Speaking of scoring, my goodness, the Bears averaging 37.5 points over their last three games, TJ, and Mitchell Trubisky has really got it going. Um, what has gotten Trubisky going, and what makes you think he could continue it this week against the Jets? Yeah, and this isn't even someone that was on my radar per se, Mitch Trubisky, but it's someone that you asked me about before the podcast, and uh, I, I have kind of been digging around trying to figure out what's changed because it's been a really noticeable change with this offense. We've seen uh, Trubisky go over 300 yards in, in back-to-back games. It might be three straight games, but I, I think what has really changed is what we expected to see with Matt Nagy coming over from the Chiefs and having these weapons and utilizing them uh, as we expected. Now, I think probably there there's still some growing pains in terms of, of the actual play calling for Nagy, but we're finally seeing them transition to a more pass heavy plan which we would expect them to do with players like uh Tariq Cohen uh Allen Robinson's big banged up but they brought in Trey Burton and those that's what we expected to happen and this offensive efficiency has really coincided with that increased usage for Cohen if you if you want to draw parallels to Nagy's OT old team he's really playing that type of of Tyreek Hill role uh Cohen's seen 29 percent of the team's targets over the past month that ranks 10th among all players not running backs among all players and since that started since Cohen started getting a big target share we've seen Trubisky's efficiency skyrocket he scored 0.75 fantasy points per pass attempt that doesn't include his rushing those are just passes so to put that in perspective the league leader Patrick Mahomes is averaging 0.68 fantasy points per pass attempt so add on the rushing ability with Trubisky and a Trey Burton who's a tight end that's just going to cause matchup nightmares and you could kind of understand why this offense is kind of catching uh, uh catching grip and and getting going a little bit and i mentioned they're transitioning to a a little bit of a more pass heavy attack over the first three weeks they were only passing 54 percent of the time in neutral game script now that is up to 57 percent over the past month with uh cohen getting a bunch of those targets and that's still slightly below average but we have to remember trubisky's running a lot so that that counts for rushing plays if if we move those over to to passing plays or completely eliminate them they're near the top of the league over the last month around 60 percent uh 66 percent passing rate in neutral game script so it looks like they're finally doing what we were expecting expecting them to do in preseason when they got all these new parts yeah and going back to the rushing totals 53 47 81 yards he's run for two touchdowns so far this year but i mean that's a that's a floor there if you're looking at it of over 100 yards passing extra 100 yards passing, and you throw into account he's thrown for over 300 yards in those last three games. This offense is on a roll. I don't know if it continues against the Jets, but what I do know is that I'm I'm not going to be late to the the Bears' offensive train. I've been on it now. This will be the third week I'm on it, and it's going to be tough for me to not get back on Mitch Trubisky in some way, shape, or form. I don't know what you think about his ownership, but – um, I think he's cash game viable and definitely throwing him in there with Tariq Cohen and maybe Burton doesn't seem like too bad of an idea this week. Yeah, I mean, just you just look at the fact that they're favored at home with an implied point total of 26. And as I said, 
we're looking for that efficiency with quarterbacks. So he's definitely someone that's in the mix because he's going to be a big part of them accumulating their yards and points. And it, it looks like they're going further and further from Jordan Howard. All right, so let's get to the running back position now. Todd Gurley and the Rams against the Packers. I mean, th- this is going to be must-see television. And Todd Gurley is 9800 on DK. He's $11,000 on FanDuel. Has there ever been a player, a running back, $11,000? Like, Le'Veon had to have done it one week, right? I I don't know if... Le'Veon ever ever reached uh, eleven thousand because we have to remember when when Le'Veon uh, was at his peak where he was just dominating and that's not even really last year it's two years ago where it was plug in Le'Veon and he was returning value like Gurley is every single week at the same time he had David Johnson next to him who was putting up similar numbers so they kind of kept each other's salaries in check because you couldn't really roster both of them now Gurley's ahead of the field by himself so it's it's built a slightly different dynamic in terms of relating him to other players he just doesn't have a a comp right now in the league in terms of what his production is so it's it's going to be impossible in a vacuum for these uh, sites to price Gurley high enough he's scored 25 DraftKings points in every single game can he sustain that over 16 games at this rate? I mean, it's it's hard to say he can't because this offense is so good. The team is so good. Um, but the the reason I wanted to mention this here is because as a solo play by himself, yes, he's going to look like a value no matter his price. And he's in the conversation for, uh, for cash game consideration or any consideration really. But that's not the way DFS works. We have to look at the team as a whole. And for what it's worth right now, when I put my player pool into four for four, when I use the lineup generator, when I when I filter by floor or projections are just looking for the best value team overall, overall, there are very few teams, especially on FanDuel, that show up with Gurley without forcing him in to a lineup with my player pool. So it's, it's just a matter of, of risk and reward. What do you want your floor to look like compared to what kind of floor you think he gives you as a whole? I don't need to tell you about his stats and how great he is. Everyone at this point knows pretty much if you're listening to this podcast you know the kind of workload he's getting you know how good the team is all right so we'll get into you know fading girly and fading some of these must plays a little bit later on in the show in our game theory segment but let's shift from girly to kareem hunt because hunt has been on absolute fire if you're talking about mahomes i mean kareem hunt has been every bit as dominating over the last i don't know handful of games four three four games or so there's a case to be made that Kareem Hunt's the guy that you have to get into your lineup this week. I think he's probably my my favorite play overall uh, if we consider price, workload, and uh, game script and game flow just because if we compare him to Mahomes uh, on, on a theory-based level, my I prefer to pay down for quarterback when possible. I think those those points are a lot more replaceable than something you're getting from a running back and Kareem Hunt is worth mentioning because $7,100 is quite affordable on DraftKings $8,100 on FanDuel uh, if we take out Gurley is really affordable and Denver is a defense that 
you can really attack on the ground. You mentioned that we've seen Hunt kind of gaining momentum. He he was getting a decent portion of the work early in the year. Just the production wasn't there, and they were scoring a ton through the air. Now we finally see this offense getting, um, I, I hate to use the word balance because I don't think that's what a good offense is striving for, but they're they're using this weapon more often than they did the fir- first few games. 20 touches in three of his last four games. Over the last month, only three players with more total touches. And what we really like to see, especially on DraftKings, is that usage in the passing game, six targets in each of the last two games. Now, if we look at it, as far as matchup goes, 10-point home favorite. The Broncos rank 24th in 4-for-4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, opposing running backs. We saw them allow back-to-back 200-yard rushers. And then the week before that, this very man, Kareem Hunt, went for 121 against them. So uh, this sets up really, really good for Hunt. Yep. Love the situation he's in. I'm glad you brought up his usage in the passing game because... I mean, six uh, targets each game, and he's getting in the end zone through the passing game as well. And uh, Kareem Hunt is uh, – listen, if you're not going to squeeze Gurley in, I think you know, Hunt's got to be at the top of your list. What about a little value here? Marlon Mack, limited in practice. I think he's got an ankle. Not too concerned about it right now. Uh, 5,400 DraftKings, 6,700 FanDuel as the Colts take on an Oakland team in disarray. Now, I will say this one thing, TJ, after being covering the league for a long, long time. Sometimes we'll look at a team, and from the outside, it just seems like they're a complete disaster, and they've got nothing to play for, and everybody over there hates Gruden, and you know now Carr is a bad leader and, and everything like that. And then you'll see the team come up and get galvanized, and boom, they win that week. So yeah. I will be cautious to buy into the, the whole narrative that Oakland's mm-hmm. done and that they're quitting and they're packing it in. I have a hard time believing that. That being said, let's just look at the numbers and the things that we do know about the Raiders. They stink against the run. Yeah, and they just kind of stink overall on on defense. Um, let, let, I'm going to start with Marlon Mack first, talk about what he did last week, and then roll it over to this matchup with the Raiders. So Mack is a guy that we were hoping would be the lead back in this offense in the preseason. Uh, injuries kind of faltered that for a little bit and then all of a sudden we got this running back by committee we weren't sure what to do now last week he kind of has his coming out party 39 percent touch share uh for the team was the highest for any colt this season it was only the second time that a colt had 20 touches in a game and now he gets to face the raiders seventh most total yards uh, allowed to opposing backs they're tied for the most uh, 100 yard games allowed and sure they've they face some good running backs when we when we adjust for strength of schedule uh, Oakland kind of comes back to earth a little bit uh, they're they're middling if we look at adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs for the Raiders but I, I do think this could be a blowout not just because the Raiders are imploding uh, internally and, and all the narrative that you talked about with Gruden. But look at what the Colts do the most and what the Raiders do the worst. And that's actually uh, a defending the pass. The Colts throw at an extremely high rate and the Raiders have allowed some of the uh, highest fantasy points 
per attempt to opposing passers. Now you think, how does that translate to Mac? Well, if, if the game does end up being a blowout for, for the Colts, which I think it is sneaky potential to be a blowout, then that sets up game script very, very well for Mac. And as I mentioned, he already has that touch share that we saw last week that we hope carries over this week. You're getting a little bit of a value on a player that is a favorite. Yeah, and he hasn't played much this year. When he's been in there, he's been good. I mean, the last two weeks, it's 7.4 yards per carry, 6.6 yards per carry. Not not very much work in a passing game. We'll see if that comes along. But um, even Frank Reich, the head coach out there, was saying, we want to get him more – we want to get the running game more involved. Uh, Andrew Luck has just been a monster as far as uh, fantasy production goes and DFS production. I mean, he's – He's uh, number three overall fantasy quarterback so far, but they're trying to get Mac more involved. And now that he seems to be a little bit healthier, that's actually happening. I love that. I do want to just bring up a couple other names before we move on to the wide receiver. I told you about Ronald Jones. Let's just mm-hmm. say Peyton Barber is not in there. Jones is just about minimum salary on DraftKings. He's 5,200 on FanDuel. Uh, I just don't think that he, he's a very good back. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable with it. I see if you're looking to punt a position, maybe Jones, because he's going to get just volume. You would think you get volume that he would be a play. I'm not recommending Ronald Jones. What I am saying though, is if you're listening to this on Saturday and Peyton Barber's out that just so you know, I'm not recommending him. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he's someone that's definitely going to. If if Peyton Barber is out, just because the way projections and value work, no matter whether you you use four for four or you use a different site, he's someone that's going to rise up the value ranks because he is so cheap and will probably be projected for something like fifteen touches. But uh, the the Buccaneers just haven't used their running back that much. So even when Peyton Barber was accounting for two thirds of the running back touches uh, throughout the the first five or six weeks of the season that didn't translate to a ton of volume because Buccaneers tend to pass a little bit more. And I, I think that uh, Pitt, not Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones can maybe be deemed a little bit useless this week, even if he is the lone starter, because you mentioned that you think that uh, the, the Bengals could be a sneaky defense. And that's not a bad idea because they are favored by four and a half. Tampa Bay does throw a lot. Their offensive line uh, isn't great. And when Tampa Bay does throw, they throw deep and Jameis does uh, have a, a relatively high interception rate. So those deep balls do translate to higher variance. So regardless of what you think about Cincinnati's defense, there is a, a story that you could tell where, Tampa Bay gets behind pretty big and is forced to throw even more than usual because their defense is so bad. And another thing to think about with Ronald Jones is we have other other punt plays, possible punt plays available at his, his price range. So if it was a week where there's nothing available, you might really consider it to open up value, but he's $3,700 on DraftKings. You can make an argument that guys like Isaiah Crowell with Bilal Powell on IR, Raheem Morstert with um, with Matt Breda possibly out this week are better plays than Jones. And listen, if you want a really deep sleeper, Trenton Cannon gets his. Uh, I think he had mm-hmm. four catches, almost seventy yards last yep. week. But he's a dart throw on dra- on DraftKings. I think sure. there's no doubt about that. Not really on the half point PPR side. Um, and another intriguing play. Now I'm, I'm out in Denver, so I'm focused on the Broncos a little bit mm-hmm. more. Royce Freeman missed practice, and yeah. Philip Lindsay had a nice game against Kansas City earlier in the year. 
I don't see Booker really taking too many carries or I, I guess targets from him. Philip Lindsay could be in line for, you know, 17, 18 touch game against Kansas city. And that's not a bad play either. Um, I think on either side. Yeah. The only reason that he's not going to be in cash game consideration is because Kansas city is such a big favorite and he is in really big danger of, of being uh, a, a little bit useless because of game script. But Kansas city is one of those teams that struggles on defense all around 26 and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. If Denver could keep the game even a little bit close, uh, Lindsay could have a huge game. All right, let's move on to wide receiver then. Seems like every week we go back to the same name, and every week he's putting up numbers. We'll start with the Rams, Robert Woods against the Packers. 7,600 FanDuel, 6,800 DraftKings. Um, today, Sean McVay came out and said that Cooper Cup is doubtful, so he's he's not playing. He's got a sprained MCL. So that leaves Woods and Cooks as the one and two there, and Cooks had a nice game last week, but it's setting up again to be a nice week for Robert Woods. I don't know if if this is small sample size and variance or if it's something that, that has changed with the offense with Cup out, but it's really interesting because with Cup in the lineup, we saw all three of these wide receivers, Cup, Woods, and Cooks, very close together in terms of target share, all within like like three or four percentage points between 21 and 24%. As soon as Cup went out, Robert Woods shot past everyone else in terms of target share. He's seen 30% target share in consecutive weeks. Now, my guess would be that it's because him and Cup were both playing a fair amount of slot. And then if we just look at Woods versus Cooks and take Cup out of the picture, Woods is getting those dominant uh, slot snaps uh, and and that's my guess as to why we see. It. I don't think he stays above thirty percent, obviously, but he's clearly been the favorite or the, over the last couple of games. And this is a Green Bay secondary that we want to target with our pass catchers. They rank twenty fourth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And going back to that slot, not just the volume, but now the matchup. Uh, Josh Jackson is Green Bay slot cornerback. He's allowed. 12.9 yards per target, which is the third most among the 84 starting cornerbacks. The 84 is the two outside cornerbacks plus the slot cornerback. Third most yards per target allowed among all those cornerbacks uh, that are starting this week per Sports Info Solutions. All right, let's move on to A.J. Green, another player in this Tampa Bay-Cincinnati game that I'm looking at as a super shootout. Now, T.J., when I think of cash games, I, I always, at least the last couple of weeks, I immediately look to Tyler Boyd because Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd has been targeted by uh, Andy Dalton on third downs. He's been looking at to him in, in the red zone. He's really been everything. And John Ross is out this week, so Boyd's targets probably will go up a little bit more. But there's always going to be the case to be made for A.J. Green, who's 8000 on DK. 8800 on FanDuel. Why A.J. Green over Tyler Boyd, given the pricing discrepancies? We've seen a shift in the target share for this offense, and it's it can often be a little bit lazy to see someone like Dalton see the matchup against Tampa Bay and just say, good matchup, play the starting receiver or the number one wide receiver. But we have some indicators here that Green is 
a very good play with all of these considerations. So you talked about Boyd, and over the first four weeks, uh, Boyd was actually out-targeting A.J. Green, 23% to 21% for Green in terms of team target share. Over the last three weeks, that shifted a lot, 35% for Green to Boyd's 19%. Now, I, I do think if we look at the offense they're facing. If we look at Tampa Bay, we look at Boyd lining up in, in the slot uh, where he's still going to line up more than Green. They're going to move Green around a bit. Uh, there, There is a lot of reasons to believe that both of these, these guys can have very good games. But if we're talking about the value or the cash game play, you can't ignore the fact that their splits have been so drastic over the past three weeks. And that's why I want Green over Boyd, at least in cash games, his floor, even going back to, to uh, early in the year when he was being out-targeted by Boyd, Green still has one of the highest floors of any receiver or of any receiver in the league. He's seen eight targets in every game. Only six players have done that. He's seen 10 targets in the last three games. Only four players have done that. And then he has the highest average depth of target on this team. And this sets up as a game where you can attack this defense through the air. Tampa Bay's allowed 22 completions on deep balls. Deep balls are defined by pro football reference as passes that travel at least 15 yards downfield. And those 22 completions are the fifth most in the league. So a lot of indicators, not just for volume to A.J. Green, but he has a ceiling in this game as well. Yep. So I mean he could be a it could be a weak winner here for AJ Green. Doug Baldwin, kind of forgotten man with Seattle. Uh he's been banged up uh, since really the offseason, had off season surgery. And it seems as though in his last game aren't isn't Seattle coming off a bye, if I'm mm-hmm. correct. Yep. I mean, Doug Baldwin kind of showed some signs of life um in in the the one game he came back before the bye and I have a hard time believing he's going to be 5,500 on DK again and 6,400 on FanDuel as Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, the Seahawks visit the Detroit Lions this week. I, I wanted to mention this place especially just because it's something that it's not going to pop up on value reports. Uh, Baldwin isn't going to be a player that's highly touted this week, and he's probably not someone that you're going to want in cash games. But I was doing some digging, and so many things just kept pointing to the Seattle passing attack and specifically to Doug Baldwin. Now, if we start at the the team level, Russell Wilson has been incredibly efficient, not unlike his entire career. He currently ranks fourth in the league in fantasy points per pass attempt. Now, where it gets very interesting is when we look at Detroit because Detroit's numbers from a fantasy standpoint are are respectable versus quarterbacks. I think they've allowed the 13th most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. But when we really start to look at how they've gotten there, they actually haven't been a good pass defense. They just haven't faced a lot of passes. They have faced the lowest passing rate in neutral game script they face the second fewest pass attempts overall but when they have been thrown at they've allowed the fourth most fantasy points per pass attempt so when we compare a quarterback that's efficient versus a a defense that allows very high efficiency that's a good thing and then we look at the specific matchup for Doug Baldwin, where since he's came back, he's seen 71% of his targets from the slot. And Detroit ranks last or second to last in both yards per target and fantasy points per target 
allowed to the slot. Those are both uh, numbers from Sports Info Solutions. So everything is telling us, including Vegas, these are two teams that haven't been extremely exciting this year, especially the Seahawks, but they have a game with an over-under of 49.5, just below all of those big totals that we just talked about up top, a spread of just three, so we're expecting a shootout. The thing that, of course, can block this, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, but (laughs) if they let this, if they take advantage of this matchup, these two are going to have a very big game. I wonder if you think anybody on the other side really stands out to you, whether it be Tate or I know uh, Hermsmeyer likes Marvin Jones this mm-hmm. week as the air yards, or if Kenny Galladay is a go-to guy for you. Anybody else you're kind of looking at on the Detroit side this week? Because much like Boyd, my eyes always, at least when I'm making my dummy lineup at the beginning of the week, my eyes always try and find where Kenny Galladay is. Because to me, he is the number one wide receiver on that team, despite the fact that Golden Tate, you know, I, I suppose is still, you know, considered the number one and is probably a better play on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. I still look at touchdown equity, yeah. and my eyes go right to Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I. this is an offense where, similar to what the Rams were through, uh, through the first six weeks of the season, they're kind of the Rams light in that you can pick and choose between those three wide receivers. It's an offense that in any given week can support three top 24 wide receivers. I'm a sucker for volume and I, I, I tend to gravitate towards Tate because he is the unsexy play and he is the guy that, that isn't going to, to, to light up the scoreboard, but he's going to lead the team in targets. He's going to be the most consistent. So I always kind of gravitate towards that guy, especially as 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 the slot guy. And um, Seattle's at pretty decent against the slot, but Tate's the guy that I find myself rostering the most. All right, let's move on to tight end and stay with the Lions here because Eric Ebron at 4,900 on DK, 6,400 on FanDuel uh, leads the way. Now, I will add this as we're taping late Wednesday, early Thursday on the East Coast. Uh, I, I'll add that, Jack Doyle finally got in a limited mm-hmm. practice. Like, he has not been seeing the field very much. And I wonder how viable a play Ebron's going to be if Jack Doyle plays. Yeah, it's it'll definitely impact his floor where we get a little bit of, of reprieve in terms of our expectation for Ebron, even if Doyle does play, is the fact that Ebron's been lining up, not in line, but in the slot quite a bit this year and I I didn't mean to go down like uh players in the slot rabbit hole this week but so many players just fit so well that that uh players like Baldwin and, and Ebron popped up and the reason uh that Sports Info Info Solutions is great is because they actually track players lined up in the slot not the slot wide receiver which can get a little uh ambiguous or confusing sometimes sometimes you won't find slot numbers for tight ends so it's really nice to see that uh eric ebron where 67 percent of his targets have come from the slot gets to play a raiders team that similar to detroit similar to the doug baldwin matchup uh struggles against anyone lined up in the slot as a team bottom four in yards per target and fantasy points per target to any player lined up in the slot uh, 30% target share last week for Ebron, even with T Y Hilton back. So that's encouraging uh, kind of going back to your point. If Doyle's back, if, if, if T Y is back, all these mouths to feed Well, T Y was back last week. They kept going to Ebron. The matchup this week 
kind of dictates that they go to Ebron against the Raiders. And, of course, no matter what site you're playing on, especially at tight end because the, the position is so bad and one score can separate you from the field so quickly, you want that touchdown equity. And Ebron is fourth in the league in red zone targets. Uh, the Colts throw at a ridiculously high rate both overall and in the red zone. I I kind of just like this team to stack if you're going to skip those if you're going to skip the Rams if you're going to skip the Chiefs if you're going to skip the Bengals the Steelers why not stack the the Colts in in a couple of your lineups you're not going to have to be too crazy heavy on them to be overweight on the field now I think that's a great point that you make there um that's one team definitely to look at and then on the other side you got Pittsburgh taking on the Browns this week and you know to me the Browns offense it's nice that Baker Mayfield's there. I love the Pittsburgh defense this week, but if there is a play, uh, there might be two plays. Uh, Chubb, of course, being mm-hmm. one of them, but David and Joku, who I know you were you were touting last week. I loved the matchup last week. It paid off last week. David and Joku really stands out uh, to me because of the volume that he's getting. Yeah, he's fourth among all tight ends in total targets and his price is still really palatable $4,600 on DraftKings $5,700 on FanDuel uh, ideally we we would like to punt the position completely if possible but this is still a, a, a pretty affordable price uh, for these tight ends and 22% target share over the last month that's pretty good for a tight end 26% target share in two of his last three games and you mentioned Chubb the concern there is that Cleveland is a huge underdog I think the spread's currently at eight points so that means the Browns are going to have to throw to play catch up or throw a negative game script that obviously helps out the pass catchers and this is a Pittsburgh team that ranks 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends so with all those factors in play we get Joku as a, a top four projected value on both FanDuel and DraftKings according to 4 for 4 but of all those values he's the cheapest one all right so we move on to defense I told you I like the Steelers and bang that's your first team here on the the cash game list Steelers 2300 DraftKings an affordable 3800 on FanDuel too they take on Cleveland they are the eight-point favorites they've got a rookie quarterback uh, coming to town the Steelers are a team that's rested ready to go I mean, I'm I'm all over the Steelers' defense this week in cash. This this is the first time in my short memory, at least in the past three or four weeks, I think that one of the teams favored by at least seventeen or seven points. I'm sorry, hasn't been priced up on DraftKings. They kept the Steelers down at at twenty three hundred dollars, which makes me try to. Well, DraftKings pricing has been pretty tight, so I'm. It makes me want to do a little bit more digging into why that is, Uh, but because they are so cheap, because they are eight-point favorites, you can't really fade them in cash, at least on DraftKings. $3,800 on FanDuel makes them a a little bit less of a a must-play, but Cleveland, they have allowed the highest adjusted sack rate uh, of any offense on the main slate. Pittsburgh has one of the best defensive lines in terms of getting after the passer. And if we adjust for strength of schedule, Cleveland as a team has allowed the six most most fantasy points to opposing defenses. You, you kind of just have to take the discount on Steelers, on at least on DraftKings. Yep, and then the other one here, and I, I love this Chiefs play too. 
because you talk about a home field advantage. Kansas City has a massive home field advantage, and they're taking on a team in Denver with a turnover-prone quarterback. I mean, Case Keenum had a nice year last year, but that was a career year. Mm-hmm. This guy, it looks like he enjoys throwing interceptions. There's, <laughs> there's, if they're going to have to keep yeah. up with the Chiefs, right? If they're going to have to keep – and this guy has to throw the – they don't want him to throw the ball more than 25 times. If he's got to throw the ball 35, 40 times, I'm telling you right now, minimum two interceptions for the Kansas City defense. Yeah, you, you talk about – slightly uh or or majorly mismanaged teams this this denver offense with keenum has been throwing uh about 60 percent of the time in neutral game script which is top half of the league probably higher than a quarterback like like case keenum should be throwing it and then you you throw in the fact that they could be trailing by a lot or even if they aren't trailing just have to keep pace with this kansas city offense and we can see keenum all of a sudden have to throw it 40 times his anything over 3% for an interception rate is awful. And Keenum's at about 3.5%. The chiefs, they've actually been playing better the last couple of weeks. A lot of that had to do with game script last week against the Bengals. But you, you look at it as a football fan or someone that, that doesn't put a whole lot of thought into defense and you think this is a bad defense. I can't play them, but we've seen it. We, we even talked about it on this podcast already this year. You don't need to be a, a good defense in real life to be a good defense in fantasy. You don't even really need to stop opposing teams from scoring that much. You, you need opportunities to get sacks and, and interceptions. And we saw last week, Cincinnati's already a pass heavy team. They got behind. It makes them even more one dimensional. Kansas city was able to take advantage of that. I believe they got a defensive touchdown. And again, they're, they're not a good defense in real life. Uh, but if you had to ask, if you had to ask me where Kansas city ranked in terms of fantasy scoring on defense without looking just because of how bad they've been and how, how many points they've allowed, I would say, I don't know. 25th or something they're the sixth best fantasy defense in terms of scoring depending on the scoring system you look at <laughs> fantasy scoring is crazy when it comes to defense and i don't think i think even people that put a lot of time into this don't really realize or take the time to understand where these points come from for our fantasy defense and it spots just like this sacks lots of sacks that's what you want to look at first and i'll, I'll say Kansas City at home should always be in play. Not, I don't want to say, and nothing's always. But Kansas City at home, you should have them in play for defense, especially when Case Keenum's coming to town. All right, that's our uh, our GPP and cash plays. We'll get to our game theory segment here in just a second. Fading must plays, but. 4 for 4 is partnered up with DraftKings. We bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you got to do is go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. You get full access to our most accurate rankings, our lineup generator, optimal lineups, premium articles, and all the other great features that are in our plan. All for five bucks. You can then enter that into contests, potentially win more. Super excited is what we are to bring you this deal. If you want access right away, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings. Follow the instructions there. Okay, so fading must plays and and i hit you up this week tj i'm saying to myself gosh you know i really want todd Gurley in cash games what was Gurley last week i think t- 10k uh, so he was 94 percent owned in cash <laughs> games and i'm saying to myself all right he's 11 
thousand dollars this week. He's what ninety eight hundred dollars this week on mm-hmm. on DraftKings. How am I building a cash lineup with Todd Gurley this week? How am I building a balanced lineup? When do I fade the must plays? What am I doing with this guy this week, TJ? How do I do it? Yeah, we wanted to bring this back up because we've definitely talked about the theory in terms of salary and in terms of ownership for similar situations. But we really, I can't think of anything like this before because when when the Danian Tomlinson was a thing, DFS didn't exist. And like I mentioned, when Le'Veon was going nuts, he had David Johnson to kind of keep him in check. Uh, we, we've we never had this before. Last week in the Millie Maker, Gurley was at 58% in a tournament. That's unheard of. He was at uh, 61% in the Sunday Million on FanDuel. You mentioned in cash games that his ownership, in, depending on what game you're playing, if it's a double or up or something, especially a small one, easily exceeding 90%. So even though we've talked about all these things, all these different theories, this this is kind of new territory for all of us. Um, so the, the big question is like, can you and do you fade a play like this? And anybody that says they have a definitive answer, it's probably lying a little bit because we just haven't seen anyone garner this ownership before. Uh, but we can get back to basics a little bit and and take a step back and make sure that that we're thinking about this in a calculated way. Now, obviously it's DFS. So everything starts and ends with salary and Gurley's priced up very high. And you also have to, as I talk about all the time, it's not just a player in isolation. If, if Gurley was a thousand, uh, $11,000 on FanDuel and every other play that you wanted was six thousand dollars it wouldn't matter much so if if pricing is loose it's easier if it's if it's tight it's harder that should be obvious but we should mention it but in terms of of a must play and how it pertains to salary he's getting into this kind of his own stratosphere here where it really can be limiting to your floor and ceiling um compared to what we would call a must play in in a spot where a running back if we have a, a $3,500 running back that, that pops up, that's all of a sudden going to get uh, 20 carries and he's the only running back in that price range that's going to see that volume, that probably should be more of a must-play than than this spot because that cheap play still gives you a lot of flexibility. That $3,500 play is going to let you get a lot of players that have a very high floor, a very high ceiling. You can make an argument for any player having a very high ceiling, but the reality of the situation is the highest ceiling players are the highest volume players who are usually the stud players who are usually the slightly more expensive players. So when Gurley is on your roster and you're forced to punt, you have to really consider, and this is where machine learning and and things like lineup generators can really help us understand concepts that the human brain just isn't fast enough or smart enough to comprehend it's really <laughs> hard for us to to theoretically in our in our head decide if Todd Gurley and three punt or two punt plays is better than than two studs and and a medium play and by using things like cash odds and like scoring projections and like value reports and, and lineup generators we can see it very quickly if if a lineup generator is spitting out 
hundreds of lineups without Gurley, that should be a pretty good indicator that it's probably not the best play, even if he has the best value on the slate. If it's giving you a lot of Gurley lineups, even though he is very expensive, then that's 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 an indicator that it's probably a good play. So, of course, it, it, it starts with salary, and you really have to be thinking about about how it affects your other players, but but there's a couple other layers to this as well. Well, yeah, and you can get into overlap here. In the Again, last week, outrageous salary, mm-hmm. and at least on FanDuel, Gurley, was, his ownership was in the 90 percentile. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that is – I couldn't believe it. I thought, okay, maybe 60, 70, 70%. Everybody plugged Gurley mm-hmm. in, and I don't even think he paid off. It really didn't pay off. Yeah. He didn't have his – And he had three, touch- and he had three touchdowns and didn't pay off. <laughs> Well, that's that's why I'm saying this week it's like okay he's in another smash spot but if he only puts up 30 points mm-hmm. and not 35 or 40 points is it worth it to have him so right. uh, how highly owned we have to figure out how how highly owned he's going to be at this price point this week yeah I we try to be a little more conservative on four for four when it comes to our ownership projections because our ultimate goal is is accuracy um, and a lot of times. Uh, just the the relative uh, ownership to compared to the other players can tell us enough of the story that we need to know. But when we get to uh, to building 150 lineups and wanting to be very meticulous with our uh, ownership for each player, then obviously we want that number to be as close as possible. Now, did we have Gurley projected for 60% ownership last week? No, we did not. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I was very surprised by that. Um, projecting anything above 30 is pretty rare on four for four. So projecting above 50 is, is insane, but we, let me answer your question talking about how do you manage these percentages? And obviously it's very different in, in cash games and GPPs, but I think something that might be a little bit counterintuitive or maybe just not obvious if you don't put some time into it is that the higher that Gurley's ownership goes in cash games. Sure. You do have, a dollar incentive to fade him because you're going to have a unique lineup. But if we think about the most extreme situation, this can actually eliminate a decision point for us because think about it like this. Assume that you know that Gurley is going to be in 100% of cash game lineups and you're playing a 50-50. Your ultimate goal in that 50-50 is to have the highest floor possible, not the highest ceiling and not to beat the most people. That's where the the difference in in the games that you're playing really comes into effect. Are are you looking for point maximization or win maximization or a mix of both? Um, in, in something like a 50-50, we're looking for floor maximization and we're not looking for an opportunity to beat as many people as possible. So go back to that example where we know that Gurley is going to be 100% owned. That actually makes it very easy for us to plug in Gurley into our cash game lineup in a 50-50 or double up because if he busts, everybody else busts too and we still have all of our other uh, lineup spots to differentiate ourselves from the field and be better than the field. So we're not worried when, when as, as Gurley's ownership approaches 100% in cash games, we actually get more protection from him busting, especially because he's in his own salary range. We don't have these other price pivots. Now, that, of course, assumes that it's not a week where he's ridiculously high on because salaries are loose because then we get into a situation where 
everybody has four of the same values, everybody's loading up on studs, and we have a ton of line, line of overlap. This example is just looking at, at Gurley in isolation. But the point is, as his ownership uh, approaches 100% in cash games, you should actually be more inclined to play him as a floor play. So that just puts a lot of pressure on you to get your pump plays right, is what it does. Right. Um, and listen, just because you're doing the work doesn't mean you're going to get it right, but it at least puts you in a better situation there. So uh, I get that with the overlap, mm-hmm. but what do I do if I fade Gurley? Or what do we do if we fade Gurley even in cash and he's he's higher owned? Because you're going to be able, sure. you're, you're probably not even going to have to punt a position at right. that point. So you you have to think about what uh, again you have to not think about Gurley and think about what does this game look like and what is our goal. So if if it is relatively tight salary and let's say uh, it, it's let's put Gurley at um, at the let's put him at fifty percent um, exactly fifty percent just for for the the simplicity of the argument that if he hits those fifty percent of lineups. In the double up with Gurley, you're going to cash. If he doesn't, then the ones without him are not going to cash. That's obviously very oversimplified, but for the point of of this example, I think it'll illustrate the point very well. So what you should be doing when you have a situation like this and you're thinking about fading Gurley is you should be taking, uh, again, this is assuming uh, salary is relatively tight, you should be taking way fewer risks because these people that are fading Gurley, what they're forcing themselves to do is they're taking bigger risks at other positions in favor of what they feel is a higher floor lineup overall, right? So Mm -hmm. why would you do the same thing and try to outpace Gurley with another stud? Gurley already has the highest floor in the league, probably the highest ceiling in the league. So the only way for us to be in the 50th percentile that's going to cash is for Gurley to have a below average game. Why would we at the same time and and even if he does okay the only way to catch him is for all of those those punts that the other players have is to bust so why would we take on that risk of a bunch of punts try to outguess which studs are going to 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 outpace Gurley instead we should be taking far fewer risks in our lineups if we're in a situation where we're in a cash game Gurley's going to be high on say 50% and we want to fade him we want of the highest floor possible. And, and the best way to do that is probably going to be to avoid punts. And this is a situation where it's probably new and it's probably not something that people have thought a ton about because we haven't had ridiculous ownership like this. But my point is I, I just don't see the advantage of taking on risk in your lineup if your m- most optimal scenario is either girly flops or you hope Gurley's just average and your best case scenario is that all of those popular punts that go with Gurley have a bad game all of a sudden you just need all of your mid-range players with a couple semi-expensive players to do exactly what you ask them to do that's how you're going to win without getting Gurley Mm, fascinating stuff here all right so anything else we should get into maybe the type of games that you're playing and how it actually would affect as to whether or not you should be fading somebody with a ninety eight hundred or $11,000 salary. Yeah, I, I, it's it's probably surprising because you, you think uh, cash game construction is, is a little bit more straightforward or GPP construction has uh, a lot more nuance to it. But 
you're you're going to be thinking about ownership percentages a lot more um, precisely when you're when you're playing tournaments and on similar to what we talked about with how an expensive high on player like Gurley can affect your your floor how can you affect your ceiling because yeah you're getting those pump plays in there but it's also going to lead to a lot of players with very similar lineups we saw this in the DraftKings uh, millionaire maker just last week in the Gurley's probably the highest ownership we've ever seen in DFS, the winning lineup on DraftKings didn't have Gurley, and Gurley had a three-touchdown game. That's crazy. But the reason is because the person that won the millionaire had eight players uh, exceed 22 DraftKings points. And we've seen in the past that you're able to win a big tournament with a bust or two, but what happened was Gurley was so expensive, and those punts were so mediocre uh, that they just couldn't keep pace with a lineup that had the the full ability for every player to hit those ceilings. So that's the difference uh, in this in this isolated situation. And then, of course, like you said, what kind of games are you playing? If the 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 smaller the matchup, uh, the smaller the stakes. Um, I'm sorry, the smaller the matchup, the higher the stakes. The smaller the field, uh, th- those chalk plays are are going to be more prevalent. It's it's not going to be um, as necessary if you're say playing something like I don't know uh, a three max with only 300 people in it you're probably not giving up much by having Gurley in that tournament if you're playing the millionaire uh, it's probably not the best spot to have 100% Gurley because you're gonna need some variation in your lineups you no matter how good a player is or how high he owned is he is in tournaments in a in a mass multi-entry you just can't take on that much risk you're 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 probably not giving yourself the best chance to take down that tournament all right so um I'm gonna leave you with this and then of course you get to say goodbye every week and I will say I'm a little disappointed that the Saints Vikings game is not on the main slate <laughs> Latavius Murray's been going bananas. I mean, you got fantasy feasts all over the place. I read a story today from the San Francisco Chronicle. I just want you to listen to the stat. Adam Thielen has 67 receptions. The 49ers wideout core has 64 total receptions. Adam Thielen has 822 yards. The whole San Francisco 49er wideout crew has 798 yards. Adam Thielen is outproducing every single wide receiver combined on the San Francisco 49ers. Just go back to the well again and again and again. This guy is the Todd Gurley of wide receivers. I'm actually glad you brought that up because, uh, especially on DraftKings where I play most of my tournament volume, they've made a big push for these showdown games. And what that's done is it's it's really, um, at least early in the season, lowered the the intrigue and the prize pools of these multi-day slates. But in in the past couple of weeks, there have been some pretty decent prize pools. Right now, I'm just looking at, at the games. <clears throat> On the Thursday to Monday slate, there is a $50,000 prize pool with less than 2,000 entries. So there's a lot of people not paying as much attention to these multi-day slates now because of showdown. So you can play these slates where you want the Thielen and this and, and the saints 
this is a great spot to do it, especially in a week where a lot of people are going to be heavily focused on some of these plays that we already talked about. You have some pivot opportunities that you're not going to have in the main slate. So don't ignore those those multi-day slates because a lot of people are ignoring them now. And they're, I mean, it's still money. If you take that down that tournament, that's ten grand in your bankroll off a $33 entry. Yep. Absolutely. I'm right there with you on that, buddy. All right. Great show. I like it. And and listen, just because I'm on the show and I give advice too, and I know what I'm doing, it's, it doesn't mean that I don't ask questions. I mean, TJ, you're a wealth of knowledge here. And it kind of, some of the things you said are going to help me build or formulate my cash game lineups this week. So great work today, TJ. Hey man, I appreciate it. You got it. You want to say goodbye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if if you guys haven't done so yet and you want to sign up, get full access to the 444 DFS subscription. Use the promo code DFSMVP. That's going to get you 25% off the already discounted $79 price. And if you like the podcast and you want a t-shirt or if you just want a t-shirt and you don't like the podcast, go on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review, and your name will automatically be entered to win a free t-shirt. If you feel so inclined, you can follow both of us on Twitter. I'm at TJ Hernandez. Holden is at Holden Radio. We'll catch you guys next week. So will the real shady please stand up and put one of those fingers on each hand up and be proud to be out of your mind and out of control. And one more time, loud as you can. How does it go? I'm Slim Shady. Yes, I'm the real shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just imitating. So won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Because I'm Slim Shady. Yes, I'm the real shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just imitating. So won't the real Slim Shady please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Because I'm Slim Shady.